0: Gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of No Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am thrilled to have you here this week. Uh, we have a lot to get into today, and uh, before we get into our first, our, our main topic, I would like to uh, to get into a few other things. Our main topic today, however, is going to be a real fun one. It's going to be one that has been uh, has been coming for a long time, uh, as you could tell in the in the title of this week's episode. It is about taxation being theft, and uh, since tax day is coming up next week, I figured that this would be the absolute perfect time to be able to do that. But first, uh, before we get into that, I wanted to cover a few different things that has transpired in the past week that we wouldn't otherwise get to talk about, and uh the biggest thing of course would be uh trump's bombing of Syria, and why that is why everyone should be at least concerned that he did that now I understand the argument that he is upholding the red line that uh, Obama drew. Back three or four years ago, however however long it was. Back in 2013, I think. Uh, I understand that side. You want your word to be strong. You want your word to hold meaning and hold value. However, well, first of all, uh, President Trump didn't draw the red line. It was President Obama. This is a new, a new man in power. Second of all, you need solid and firm evidence before you make a reactionary strike like that. Regardless of the fact, regardless of the debate on whether or not we should or should not get involved, with the given that we should get involved, and I'm not saying that that's that's, uh, what I believe at all because it's quite the opposite, but even with the given that we should get involved uh, for humanitarian purposes, it is very, very concerning... That the President of the United States would unilaterally unilaterally bypass Congress and order uh, an air missile strike on an air base in Syria based on information that we don't even know to be 100% true without it being vital to national security interest. That is incredibly concerning. Whether or not this means, and, and it might not even mean that we could be going into a new war. A lot of people are saying that it's a possibility. But what should be especially concerning is that the President of the United States is now acting not on the best intelligence, but out of, um, out of heartstring tugs. You see videos of children dying due to gas. Not with information, not with strong factual evidence, without Congress, without discussing anything with Congress, the President of the United States reacts with a missile strike. That is concerning. Whether or not this means that we will be in war in Syria in the next year, two years, three years, or whatever, is of little consequence, because... What should be really concerning is even if we don't go to war in Syria, this is a dangerous precedent for our future foreign policy. This is a dangerous precedent for um, how we react to future situations. We may not go to war in Syria. That's a possibility. I'm not entirely convinced of it because we kind of already are in war in Syria. But we may not go into war in Syria the way that we did in Iraq, let's... Let's just say. But with this precedent that has been set, that may not be the case for uh, the next country that does something like this. And that should be incredibly concerning to every single American that values peace and diplomacy above bombs and bullets. Wars are messy, wars are expensive, wars have a money cost and a human cost. And if we are going into war, we need to make sure that it is A, in our national security interest. B, it needs to be completely laid out on what our goal is, and once we complete that goal, we need to leave. And C, it needs to be on the best intelligence possible. We cannot make a kind of a mistake that we have made countless times in the past. That's incredibly concerning. War is incredibly expensive on the human side and on the money side. It drains economies, explodes debts for nations, especially without a clear victor. We should always be wary of the next impending war. Now, actually, let's go ahead and change gears here now Um, about this week's main topic. And that is, of course, that taxation is still theft. And I mean that with every possible ounce of my being that taxation is still theft. That is a very popular slogan among libertarian audiences, um, but it's not very popular <laughs> among many other audiences. Some conservatives uh, will will echo that claim, yes, but for for a majority of other um, political circles, that's not a, a slogan, and it's not a phrase that most people will adhere to, especially in the left, and especially in the more establishment or um, neoconservative right. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that if I cannot force you to give me your money, even if I say that I will give you a very valuable service in return for it, if I do not have your permission to do so, there is no reason to believe that the government has any further permission to do just that because that is honestly what we're, what we, what we are dealing with. Now there are many, um, there are many justifications for taxation um, that people point toward to say it's not theft. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that you can try to justify it. In some justifications, I may like I may be okay with. I may say, okay, you know what? In this situation, you have a point. The problem is, is that most of the time, taxation is not justified. And all the time, just because it may be justified, that doesn't make it any less theft. That's the distinction that has to be made. Of course, the, um, the biggest excuse as to why taxation is not theft the biggest argument as to why taxation is not theft, that you will see from both sides, both the left and the right, is um, social contract theory. And this theory is very troubling for me uh, for a lot of reasons. It's very inconsistent. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and it doesn't actually stand up to any legal means. The problem here, and there's a great article... About uh, a lot of the things that I'll be covering on this on this topic today, that I will be linking to in the show notes, uh, is called Ta- is taxation theft, and it's on libertarianism.org, uh, and it's a fantastic article. It goes by step by step on. Why taxation might be theft, why some people say it's not theft, it goes into things like social contract theory like, uh, like that I'm about to go into right now, uh, and several others, and I'll be referencing it several times throughout this episode, and I'll be linking it at, at, on the show notes. But quite simply, the biggest reason social contract theory is not valid is simply because the fact that it doesn't exist. There has never been a an instance in which government has devised this contract for every individual in America to sign. There is no uh, possibility that a U.S. citizen can opt out of it because they have never signed it. There is no such contract. It has never existed. Legally, if um, a company says that You have to pay for my product or you have to pay for my services because it's in the contract that I devised and that I uh, conjured up. But you say, well, it's never been signed. We just mutually agreed to it just by walking in my store or buying my my product. Even though you never signed the contract, you still agree to it. That would never stand. That would never stand in a court of law. But for some reason, we believe that, I say we, those who, who try to use this, this theory as justification for taxation uh, and why it might not be theft, for some reason, they, they say that this is a very good example of why taxation is not theft, even though it has never been signed. I have never signed it. You have never signed it. Nobody has ever signed it. It does not exist. It's never been written up. It's never been offered by the government. Once you turn 18, you don't get the social contract in the mail to say, I hereby, um, I hereby agree to being taxed and trade for these services. That just simply does not exist. And then, of course, the argument will continue on to say that you just adhere to it by living in the United States. You adhere to it by agreeing to use the roads or use these public services. Well, that might be the case um, if you actually had an option on where your taxes went. Uh, That might be the case if you actually had an option, if you actually had a say on what government actually spent your tax dollars on. But the simple fact of the matter is is it doesn't really matter if you do not use public roads. It does not matter if you do not use the Postal Service, it does not matter if you do not want um, police protection, it does not matter if you do not want the military to protect you from a foreign entity, because your tax dollars will still go there regardless of what you want. So you could completely opt out of society by not using any of these services or any of these programs, or not relying on any of these defenses, yet your tax dollars will still go to them. So until there is some way uh, to which your tax dollars can be, can where you can decide where your tax dollars can go. That, that argument simply does not stand. You cannot simply just say, well, if you don't like these services, don't use them because it wouldn't really matter. I don't like the fact that we just bombed Syria, but it doesn't really matter because my tax dollars still went to that. I don't like the fact that we have a giant welfare and warfare state. It doesn't really matter because my tax dollars still go to that. Just because you do not want your tax dollars being used for X, Y, or Z program or service, it doesn't mean that they stop being used for those programs or services. And that is one of the more concerning reasons why so, well, first of all, why social contract theory just uh, doesn't stand up. Second of all, why taxation is indeed theft because it doesn't matter. You you still do not have a say. Now, of course, you can go uh, city by city or state by state and try to get away from from certain programs being from your tax dollars being used for certain programs. But the fact of the matter is that federally, you don't have that option. Now, the argument continues to go that if you don't like it, then leave. Well, first of all, that's a very nativist approach, and I've never really understood why that was um, anywhere close to an argument. I want to live here. I like it here because it is the most free country, even if it still has problems, it is the most free country that you could possibly live in and there is no country that exists today without its own form of a social contract so if you can point me to Ankapistan or um, Liberty Island or something like that Liberty Nation where they recognize that taxation is theft and you can have a say in where your your tax dollars go if it if it's still <laughs> if it still takes up taxes, then that would be one thing. But the problem is, is those options don't simply exist. Just because it's not as bad as North Korea doesn't mean it gives government justification to use and take those tax dollars and just say, well, it's it's social contract. You agreed to live here. So thus we can take your money without your say. And even if you had a voice in the matter, even if you could say, yes, I want my tax dollars to go to X, Y, and Z, it does not give you justification to tax other individuals because they may not adhere to that. They may not agree to that. That is simply why it is theft. That is why taxes, they're not voluntary. Now, of course, they may say that, uh, that without taxation, then, you know, then certain programs will be cut without taxation. Then uh, a lot of things will be, will be cut and destroyed. And to that, I say good. To that, I say finally. Most of your taxes are not going toward paying for roads, if you haven't noticed. A very, very slim margin of taxes actually go toward infrastructure. What do taxes mostly go toward? The military. They go toward um, Social Security, even though that's almost bankrupt. They go toward Medicaid and Medicare. They go toward the welfare state and the warfare state. And it doesn't matter if you agree with that or not. They still go toward those things. It doesn't matter if you use those things or not. I don't use welfare. I don't use... Um, I don't use food stamps, or I don't use Medicaid or Medicare, I don't use any of those kind of programs, but my taxes will still go to them. Not to mention the fact that it it still doesn't matter because the government has a monopoly on, on several of these industries, so if you actually opened up the market to other alternatives, for roads, for example, I find it very hard to believe that, um... If capitalism can provide for a completely free and industrious society, finding cure for diseases that otherwise would have um, completely incapacitated nations, making smallpox uh, and polio non-existent, providing things like iPhones and iPads and and self-driving cars now, I find it very hard to believe That if capitalism can do that, it cannot provide for such a simple service and a service that everyone needs, like roads. I just find that baffling, that people think that that cannot be provided by the market. Not to mention that the roads that already exist aren't just going to magically go away if we stop using coercion to fund them. They'll still be there. People can still use them. <laughs> new roads may have new ways of funding, and I find that there are several ways that can make that happen, especially if you let people keep their own money and not send it uh, toward the welfare or the warfare state, not use their money to spend millions of dollars on a warhead, on a missile, that bombs an airbase made out of concrete and uh, located in the middle of Sandy Nowhere in Syria, I find it very difficult that if you let people keep that kind of money That they couldn't provide for these kind of things most people who say that Government would simply shut down and it wouldn't exist and these kind of services wouldn't occur You're looking at the current state of being where people's tax dollars are already you're you're not given taken into account that people would have more money to put into the economy, to let these things flourish and take care of themselves. I don't know if you saw this, and I'll I'll try to uh, look this up and link this in the show notes as well, Um, but several weeks ago there was a big story about anarchists who were fed up with government being, quite frankly, inefficient. If all our tax dollars are going for the road, they are doing a pretty bad job at it a bunch of anarchists got fed up with it, and they just took care of it themselves. They repaired it themselves. Because it is in the individual interest and the community interest that these things are taken care of. But what happens right now is that people automatically assume that government will take care of these things. So they find no need to try to find a market-based solution to it. When people don't assume that government will take care of these things, when people don't assume that government will take care of your iPhone or your food or your house or your television or your Wi-Fi or your healthcare, then the market will always provide. That's the same thing that can happen with roads. Not to mention the possibility of the way that vehicles are now heading toward. We are living in an incredible time in our history right now, and I don't think enough people understand that. We are heading toward a time where a lot of the things that we take for granted now, and we say government has to provide this, are going to be obsolete in the very, very near future. It could be as soon as 50 years, it could be as soon as 20 years, it could be as soon as 10 years. A lot of the things that we use now, we will not use. There are self-driving cars, for crying out loud. Now, while they are not mass-produced and they are not used on a mass scale right now, the fact that they even exist is incredible. The fact that they even, that the technology is there, the potential is there, is quite simply incredible. And if the market can provide for that, we do not need to use coercion to provide for things like infrastructure and things like that. And certainly, at least, at minimum, we don't need the federal government to provide for these things. Decentralization. If New York or San Francisco wants to do this, it doesn't make it any less theft. But if they want to do that, that's one thing. But to say that the federal government has to coerce every single person in the United States to fund things that some people will never even see in their lifetime, that is the very definition Of what theft looks like. The average robber uses the money that they steal to fund things that the that the person that they steal that money from will never see and never use. And that brings us to another argument outside of social contract theory that is uh, severely flawed and we could go into uh, several more arguments about why that is so flawed, Um, but I want to keep going here. Another argument that is severely flawed is that taxes must be uh, it must be justified to to tax people because that's the price we pay for a civilized society. Well, first of all, that's a very uncivilized way to create a civilized society. You're using the blunt force of government to steal money for from people to build things and buy things that you say, not the individual that you're, you're taking the money from, but what the government says will better your life. Now, if that individual wants their money to go to that, I'm all for that. Voluntary transaction is important. It's what makes the difference in a free society and an unfree society. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's not the way that taxes currently operate. That's not the way at all. If I, uh, and in referencing that article that I mentioned earlier, there's a, ver- a very good argument about this that, that he uh, writes in this article. Imagine that I hold you up at gunpoint and take $20 from you. I also leave one of my books behind in exchange. When you see me later without my gun, you call me a thief and demand your money back. Oh no, I say. I am no thief, for I gave you something valuable in exchange. True, you never asked for that book, but it's a good book, worth much more than $20. The article goes on to say this reply on my part would be confused. It doesn't matter that I gave you a good in exchange, and it doesn't matter whether the book is really worth more than $20. What matters is that I took your money without your consent. It also does not matter if you benefit greatly from the book. Suppose that, unable to convince me to take, to take the book back, you wind up reading that book, which turns out to contain very useful information and advice that you end up much better off including financially better off than before I came along none of this changes the fact that I am a thief the uh, temporal order does not matter if i give if i give you the unsolicited book first then wait for you to profit from it then forcibly take that money that you earned away from you, I would still be a thief. The lesson, taking people's property without consent, is theft, even if you also benefit them, and even if you help them obtain that same property. I think that is an incredibly uh, good lesson that we could all learn. It doesn't matter if, if they benefit from your robbery. It doesn't change the fact that you stole from them. It doesn't matter if you benefit financially from it, as, ironically, a lot of people do from taxation. It doesn't matter. That doesn't change the fact that it is still theft. Now, of course, there is another argument that you will hear less from the right. Um, sometimes you, you might hear it from the right, but you will hear less of this from the right and more from the left, but this is, this is the argument that uh, property and laws are only that which government allows them to be. Thus, if... uh, Thus, it isn't your money in the first place. Now, this, uh, (laughs) this is a laughable argument for um, my friends on the libertarian spectrum, and especially even on the right, even many conservatives will look at this and say this is just a dumb argument for taxation. Uh, however, you need to know how to combat this uh, from those who you discuss on the left, because I know that a lot of people on the left will use this argument against you. The fact of the matter is that that this is a basic misunderstanding of natural rights, and we talked a lot about natural rights um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and this is why. We have to understand that natural rights supersede the Constitution, and the Constitution supersedes uh, legal. It supersedes the law, laws that are passed by Congress. What may be legal is not necessarily constitutional, and what may be constitutional, even though it's very close, what may be constitutional may not necessarily be um, what is right naturally. It may not necessarily adhere to nature's law. The law of nature and of nature's God. That's something that we have to understand. Property rights are a negative right. You don't have the right to, to any property that you want, but you do have the right to pursue that property if you so choose to. If you own a property in a completely stateless society, that's your property. If you were abandoned on an island completely alone, that's your island. You own that island. Nobody can come up and say, just on a boat, and say, this is mine now. I'm taking it from you. If they try to, you have the natural right to defend yourself and your property. This is what natural rights are all about. Likewise, it's your money. That's your property. The government does not have the authority Even if they do constitutionally, which they didn't till 1913, the government does not have the authority to tax your income under natural law. That is your property. It's not the government's property. They're saying this is what we'll take and we'll leave you the rest. The same thing with property taxes. They're saying that that's not actually your property. We are just going to say that we actually own it, but we are renting it out to you. But any time we don't want you to be there, you're not going to live there. While legally, that may be the case, or even constitutionally, that may be the case, it doesn't follow the natural law of nature and of nature's God. You have certain rights that are inalienable. You have certain rights that does not require the government to give to you. You have certain rights that supersede uh, government authority. And we have to make that kind of understanding. These are the kind of negative rights that we have to remember and we have to always defend. That is why whenever people on the left start talking about the right to free education, the right to free healthcare, that's why uh, those kind of discussions are so dangerous. Because those are positive rights. And positive rights are not natural rights. Positive rights do not exist in a natural form. Only negative rights do. Only rights that are inherent in you do. You do not need to use coercion in order to get your rights. You may need to use force to protect your rights, but not to actually gain them. You have the right to life, to liberty and to pursue your own happiness. That means property is in there. That means to pursue the life that you wish to. And if you don't have the right to property, then you can't pursue the life that you wish to. Now, most people on the right would understand this. On the left, that is a constant battle that we have to continually try to dig at, and dig at even more and more and more every single day. Um, Now, before we wrap up here, I want to make something abundantly clear that while, yes, taxation is indeed theft, that doesn't mean that we should, just because taxation is theft, that doesn't mean that we should automatically go from this massive tax state that we have right now to no taxes whatsoever. Now, there are many different ways that we can replace taxes that wouldn't just throw society up, you know, all uh chaotic there are many ways that we can replace taxes but we cannot simply do that overnight that is why we have to understand baby steps that's why we have to understand that we must be unyielding in our principles but very moderate in our approach jefferson said in matter of principle stand firm like the rock but in matter of style swim like the current it's paraphrasing of course But I think that's incredibly important. The goal doesn't change. How you get there, it doesn't really matter. If you think that we should go from what we have now to absolute no taxation overnight, then you're doing more harm than good. Not only will that not turn anyone over to your side, if that was actually achieved, that would create instability in society. And it would only hurt your argument that you are trying to make that taxation is theft. Now understand that just because, and this is a point that I uh, made when we started this podcast, just because taxation is theft doesn't mean it cannot be justified. Remember that. That's why I hate the social contract argument, because... It tries to say that taxation isn't theft, even though it is, but they just want to justify it because theft is a dirty word. They try to take away that truth and make it nice, make people feel good with it. It's still theft, even though sometimes it might be justifiable. In cases of of national emergencies, a breakout of, of a global war, a crisis, something to that effect, you can justify it. During the Civil War, that's when the income tax was first brought about. It was not constitutional. It was still theft, but it was a national crisis. And I'm not trying to justify that, but that would be an example. It is. I can. I can work with more people who at least admit that yes, taxation is theft. However, this is why it must be justifiable. I can hand you. <laughs> I can hand you money to to uh, take care of the roads. As long as we are regressing in how much taxes we take. Constantly. Constantly. Roads are like last on my radar of what I want to end taxpayer-funded. Even though I complain about them a lot, and I do a lot. That's not the big picture. The big picture right now is the welfare state and the warfare state. That's what we have to address first. But the problem with taxation is not that it's, it's, uh... It's justifiable. The problem with taxation is that, most of the time, it is not justifiable and that it is indeed theft. It's still theft, no matter what, but to say it isn't theft means that any taxes can be justified, because this is just the natural order. This is what society demands. The changing times and the changing society demands that we must tax our people that's where it gets really, really dangerous. We have to understand that taxation is and always will be theft because we have to understand property rights. We have to understand natural law. And yes, while sometimes it can be justified in certain circumstances, it doesn't make it any less theft. And most of the time, it is completely unjustified. And that's why on this tax day... You should always remember that taxation will always be theft. That's it for this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had this is an episode that has been a long time coming, and I had a very good time <laughs> digging into into uh, my hatred for taxes. Next week we will have Matt Kibbe on. He is the chief community organizer of and president of Free the People. Um, And we had him on a special event back during CPAC, uh, and he's a great, fun guy that we can talk to about. Um, He likes to talk about beer, and he likes to talk about rock and roll and stuff like that, so we'll probably touch on a few of those things. So it'll be a little bit more of a laid-back episode, especially since it is going to be on 420, hint, hint. uh, A pretty famous libertarian holiday, if you want to call it that, I guess. (laughs) You can look it up if you don't know why. Um, And as always, you can always follow me, at Caleb Brands, on Twitter, and follow the show, at Mill Liberty, um, and then subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. Uh, Go ahead and give us a little five-star review if you would like. Go ahead and give us a rating um, and comment about Why you like the show so much, if you do, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, It's not going to make me lose any sleep if you don't. But until next week, stay good and stay safe. We'll see you.